and got uh i guess two returning special guests mike how's it going hey you're, hello yeah uh your handle on twitter is meow meow which i find funny because you chime in sometimes on these spaces that we do and it's like uh meow meow go ahead and this guy <laughs> with your with your sort of like tenor voice doesn't really match your your <laughs> your profile pick of like a kitten so. <laughs> well yeah, the, the profile pick is actually. You know, did you see that cat? It's like Thug Life cat. He just knocks down everything. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, he's like the owner's like, no, don't do it. And then the cat, this Persian cat, is just like, screw you, and it just knocks it down. <laughs> and then oh, I see. Yeah, he's got the, yeah, yeah. He's got kind of an evil face and these really dark recessed eyes. I can see it. Yeah, but in real life, you know, I don't have a cat. I have a German Shepherd, and I prefer, you know, dogs. Oh, nice. Rather nice. than cats. So, um, welcome back, and then John Pang, all the way from Hangzhou in China. Welcome, to, welcome to your new life. <laughs> welcome back. <How's> <laughs> Thank you. Great, uh, great to be with you guys. Yeah, it's it's nice that we can find um, some overlap in the time to do this. Uh, yeah. So yeah. now's good. Friday evening, our time. Saturday morning, yours. Um, so yeah, so we were just, uh, I guess the topic, uh, kind of a loose topic, but, um, the three of us have kind of been chatting online a bit, just sort of about, is is this kind of a unique moment or special moment in, uh, in the, in the world, but (laughs) specifically for Americans, because, you know, it's, it, it definitely feels like something's going on. I've been living in America my whole life for the past four four plus decades. And, um, you know, I can't totally tell whether it's just because of, you know, my, my place in life right now, where am I being alarmist or is there something, you know, uniquely maybe historic and potentially, I don't want to say dangerous, but, you know, threatening to the sort of like, stability of this american-led order that basically people like me have taken for granted uh for the past um you know for however long basically living memory let's so, say epoch changing yes yeah and um mike why don't why don't you had some thoughts about this and maybe a caution about how to approach the subject but love to hear from you on that yeah i mean um you know i guess to start off I would categorize, and most people would categorize, like a lot of scholars, they would say that this order that we're living in kind of started with, uh, you know, the end of the Second World War and the triumph of the United States and um, the triumph of the United States. You know, a lot of people attribute the current order to the collapse of the Soviet Union. But, you know, historically, if you look at, you know, at the end of the Second World War, yes, the Soviets had their sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. But in terms of overall military, industrial, investment capacity, you know, the United States was, you know, overwhelmingly in the lead. The United States was the only major power that was untouched. The continental United States was untouched by war. Uh, it had about over, it had about 50% of the world's industrial production. It had about 80% of the world's investment capital. And, you know, that world is pretty much 
you know, right now is in the process of, you could say, coming to an end. And you could say that it's bringing a lot of anxieties to American elites. And it's, uh, you know, but it also, you know, when one, when one epoch ends, there is a lot of uncertainty and stability as, you know, the system rejiggles and rearranges and see how it goes. So, you know, that's the summary I would put it. So yeah. you're saying I'm not being alarmist that I, like I actually uh, or there's a lot of people now who are who are kind of focusing on this. And, John, you were saying the presence of even sort of very pro-Western political commentators yeah. that are that are sort of saying this. I mean, you, you're yeah. saying that you think that that's a special sign that yeah. something yeah. has gone deeply wrong. No, I mean, we went to uh, Mike's um, uh, important uh, sort of caution about this topic before we. We fully set it up, but I think the the idea is that um, the the thing that uh, we want to talk about is is this sense of the end of the um, um, the American Empire, the beginning of the end, uh, the very clear decline of it um, that that it has peaked. Um, whatever you call it, American Empire, the American um, led order, uh, the rules based order. You know, I can't even say that without kind of you know. Sort of vomiting Rolling a little bit eyes. inside now, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, without throwing up a little bit inside. Uh, but uh, it's not just that we are calling it, but that you know, big time uh, empire um, promoters like Niall Ferguson uh, are saying, "Well, yeah, you know, are calling it." So it's it's not just um, critics saying, "Okay, it's the beginning of the end um, of of this order." which I agree, people have called uh, various times in the last uh, few decades, uh, but that it's, it's really very, very widespread. And the second thing, it's not just among the, the in the US elite, it's, uh, the reality is too, too, too great to ignore. They, they know it's coming to an end, uh, but worldwide, everywhere else as well, and there's an unprecedented, um, I think, consensus that this thing is, is broken, um, that it's um, it's on its way down, and we have to do something about it. So that's the the situation we're in. I mean, we could all be wrong, but the very fact that everybody's thinking this way uh, is going to have, of course, its own uh, effects on what happens next. Yeah, I think there's also, I mean, because a lot of commentators are looking at this from like you know a geopolitical. Mm-hmm. point of view like the relative power of the united states versus combined russia china or mm-hmm. against you know what bricks okay and that that's a lively and ongoing discussion but there's another side of this that that i think about more just personally as someone living in america which is like this creeping feeling I, the best way i can describe it is I, I, I often wonder, and I talk to my wife about this all the time, are we living in like late stage USSR? Because I don't think your average person yeah. in the Soviet Union in the late 80s, you know, coming up to the very, you know, edge of the cliff for them. I feel like a lot of people were living in denial and we kept hearing, like, look, I don't know much about USSR at that time, but I know what we say about them. And a lot of things that we were saying about that era, I think is true of us now. And one of the primary things that really bothers me or kind of creeps me out a little bit is this denialism and self-rationalization about the state of our economic strength, where 
there's like clear indications, like yes. tangible, real world, you know, signs of economic yes. decay. And I can tell you also, there's real world experiences of people like me working, I would say, in the professional middle, professional managerial class who kind of have a peek under the hood a little bit. Not, you know, not the whole thing, of course, but our little, our little tiny island slice of it. And I can tell you that a lot of us kind of feel like everything's fake. I, I, I feel like a lot of the stuff is fake. I feel like a lot of it's make work. I feel like a lot of it is, um, is kind of a kind of financial cannibalism. It's not really, you know, we're not really working on truly, we're not really working on real things. Okay. That's, Absolutely. that's what I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not even just a feeling. These, yeah. Yeah. And you see a lot of people just saying, yeah, but it's our GDP. It's a structural GDP, feature of the economy. It's financialization of the economy. This is something yeah. you can, there are numbers for. It, it isn't just Rent feeling. No, but yeah. The, yeah, no, that's true. But the question is, is this self-sustaining or is this something that ends in a kind of uh, spectacular collapse? And I, I, that to me is still up in the air. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah. you know, for the, so, for the Soviets, mm -hmm. yeah, for the Soviets, I mean, how many, how many people in, you know, were, were, were making up numbers, spe you know, specifically because they had to report good numbers up. And I feel like that is what's going on with us. And I don't just mean, you know, apparatchiks in the government, but I also mean, uh, you know, people reporting numbers up the chain so that they, you know, a ex public company can report a good quarter and, you know, all this stuff, like it's, it's structurally embedded that we basically need to exaggerate and lie about how well we're doing. And yep. the I can feel the the forces behind that the pressure is all around us to do that. All of us, not 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 just the uh, you know not just the bureaucrats in D.C., but you know a, a lot of us um, just in the workforce. Right, so, making up numbers, doing monetary expansion and 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 debt uh, on an election cycle. That that stuff has been going on, has always been going on, but but now to an unprecedented degree. So you, you, you make it, up the economic just, reality like, it and still it doesn't itself? work. And it's eating itself, yeah. And then you have the pundits, uh, you have Krugman telling us everything is okay. Um, it's just that you you proles, you normies don't understand this. I mean, that's also kind of late. It's the, a kind of elite um, telling the, uh, the normies, um, telling a kind of kind of dispossessed middle class, um, well, really, um, th there isn't actually a problem. It's just that you're too stupid to, you know, you're, you're on social media too much or, or, or you, you don't understand how the economy works. There's more and more of this resort of, of um, elites just telling you that you're wrong. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, well, saying that, uh, or oh, you're voting wrong too. Um, you know, right. Yeah. It's, these it's defense, this thing yeah. Where, where they're just forcing yeah, You're voting for the wrong just, people. They're just mm -hmm. forcing it. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. you know, honestly, this is making me really mad because I'm seeing people do, you know, this is a line that I'm constantly seeing from people. Uh, the most flagrant of this is someone like Nikki Haley, but Biden does it too. A lot of people do this, neocons and, you know, and the like, about how we could support both Ukraine and Israel. And it would only amount, at current expenditure levels, it would only amount to roughly 5% of our military budget which yeah. translates to about 1% of our total government budget. And that is the kind of hubris and econometric yeah. illusion, you know, like just sort of trading in these illusions 
built on numbers that I suspect are the same kind of numbers that led to the shock that happened in, in Moscow in like 91. Right. And I, I think that the, the idea that, that GDP is the reality and yep. what people think and it. feel yep. yeah, mm-hmm. should be secondary to that as a function of mm-hmm. what the GDP is, is exactly, this is my fear. That's exactly the kind of lie that led, that, that will lead us to a kind of USSR moment. And the fact is, if you look at the statements that people have made about how confident um, we should be about being able to prosecute two wars or what, whatever it is. Now they want three wars, okay? And they they fall back on these GDP numbers, and and it, it's like a it's like a combination of self delusion and in like military overstretch. And it, this is making me feel very uncomfortable. I gotta say, and, and, and it's and, just also patently not true. I mean, the Ukraine war proves it. You know, the Russian GDP exactly. in terms of nominal terms was, you know, it's as big as Italy's, but they're, they can basically pump out all the shells that they need to fire at the Ukrainians, but we can't supply the Ukrainians enough shells to fire. The Russians, you know, at the, in the war on average is firing 50,000 shells uh, a day. The Ukrainians are only firing 7,000 and we can't keep up with the production, both the United States and in Europe. And we're now begging for Japan and South Korea to supply Ukraine with shells. So it does tell you, you know, you're absolutely right that, you know, the empire, there's a feet of clay. The production apparatus is just not there, like the physical production. If we're going to talk about, let's say, confronting China, well, where is American shipbuilding? American has, I mean, how many ships did they build last year? You could probably count them by the fingers in commercial shipbuilding. This is, you know. The world has drastically changed. But Ukraine has been the acid test or the demonstration to the entire world of of this this effect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there was a... COVID was one. And then the last few years have been just brutal in terms of showing up this method of um, this this cultural style, if you will, of... um, uh, um, We've talked about this before, our team, um, actually in the last pod and, and, and space as well. Um, this resort to this flight to abstraction, and and there's you know I I feel it's it's not just it's it's not something arbitrary or accidental. Um, you have with financialization and the rise of this professional managerial class, a kind of a, a bunch of people who move with uh, whose whose metier is is the symbolic order, right? But they also they they also make their money off that. It's it's all about the derivative, the abstraction, and you manipulate these things, and you profit from it, and you you, you live very well off it. Um, but at some point, it's all kind of sitting on a, a a a bed of 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 reality that you start to forget. And and Ukraine was is like that. Um, so that that entire kind of you know uh, you know Russian GDP is just Italy's or something, and we're so much bigger. That, that's exactly what led to the situation. Now the, the war is actually lost. No matter how much money you can, so keep printing money and just handing it over, but they simply don't have the capacity to 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 arm. They can't build the weapons necessary to uh, to carry on this war. So their real material uh, limits have have been, you know, they've come up against actual material constraints, and they're still in denial about it. 
it's it's absolutely crazy. But if we don't see this disconnect and that this disconnect is systematic, we're going to be continue to be stunned at these people. I mean, in, in any case, we're just going to continue to be stunned at them at their capacity for um, kind of delusion. In in crisis after crisis, um, don't you people just are just gobsmacked, right? We're, we're just stunned at at how kind of delusional these people are. But what's what drives this? Why are they like this? Um, you know, can't they kind of uh, can't they bump up against reality? But that's not how they work. If you look at their jobs, if you look at the sociology and the psychology of the thing, um, they're in an entirely kind of uh, um, psychological uh, and uh, abstract symbolic order. They're basically so, they basically function as cogs in the machine, and they can't see the bigger picture. And um, you know. The Soviet Union, at least, with uh, going back to your example, Teen, the military in the Soviet Union was probably the most competitive part of their economy. It was the rest of their economy that was uncompetitive. And I think, ironically, the United States is actually the exact reverse. If you look at all the defense procurement and um, all the, you know, the best example is the F-35, they can never get weapon systems on time, on budget, to do, you know, to do the things that they were promised to do. And in fact, there's actually a great movie made in the 90s. If you guys uh, want an example of this, it's called The Pentagon Wars. I'm not sure if you guys know, uh, heard of the movie. Where, I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and they were basically making the M2 Bradley, and you just see the bureaucratic politicking where it's like, well, it's supposed to be a true carrier, but then everyone else wants their own little thing, and then it becomes basically as uh, the guy that was auditing it. So it's basically got about as much armor as a snowblower and has enough ammo to take out half of DC. And it's like, it really can't carry troops. It's too big as a reconnaissance, you know, uh, as a reconnaissance vehicle. And it's got all these other features that just makes it completely worthless. And if you look at the procurement in the United States, you know, you have a lot of this problem. It's just like the F-35. It, you know, it doesn't do well. It's way over budget, and it basically underdelivers. Here's the thing. I, I, I'm with you guys on all of this. My, my, the thing is, though, we've been warned about this stuff for a long time, and um, we could say that it's coming to some kind of head, but, like, what I'm curious about is, as someone living in America, like, what does the limit of this actually look like, right? And I don't, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, where does this end or where does this lead us to? Because it, none of this is actually really new. It just seems like this is the same process, but it's going into a deeper or later stage. And I'm, I've been, you know, kind of looking around and, and, and thinking and reading a little bit about, you know, how this might manifest. And, uh, I don't know if I have any answers. Lately, I've been reading Peter Turchin's book, End Times, and it seems like a pretty... I like his model a lot. His 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 I, his point is that when you have um, an economic system that creates what he calls a wealth pump, which is just the... Uh, which is just the... Uh, diversion of national wealth towards uh, a small elite class... He said two things happen. One is uh, you get widespread popular immiseration, which is kind of obvious. But the other, which is a little bit less obvious, is that you get a surplus of elites. You get too many people vying to go 
to to get themselves into uh, the elite class. And I think, and he said that th- those two uh, indi- those two phenomenon are the most destabilizing. If those two things are happening, it be, you become extremely unstable. And what you'll see is a fracturing of elites and what he calls counter elites. And counter elites are basically would be elites, but they've decided that there's no path to power uh, through the traditional route. And so they start to form uh, sort of uh, uh, cliques that compete for power. And so you get intra elite conflict. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of intra elite conflict. I'm seeing politics in America that are dirtier and more subversive than I've ever seen. We're doing lawfare. We're trying to throw people in jail. We're do- every, every single president is getting impeached now. It's going to be like a standard thing. Like the second one, uh, you know, a president gets elected, they'll be up- impeached immediately. And uh, you're, we're starting to see the media start to fracture. I think what happened October 7th and then the invasion of Gaza split the liberals well, actually split the elites in ways that are totally, it's a fracture line that like we just hadn't seen before. Like it's hard to figure out who's on what side and what people really believe. There's so much distrust. There's a breakaway political contingent, I think, centered around Silicon Valley that's making a, uh, a move for political power. And we've never seen such well-funded uh, sort of, I would say kind of a political insurgency before. Uh, so I'm not saying that that's, the way that's has all the answers, but the prediction that we're going to see a lot of intra elite conflict is, I think, very much apparent. And it is also making people very confused and anxious because there's no longer a consensus. Like Americans, we basically don't know what to believe anymore. We don't know what's right. And our, our griping about, you know, the, the establishment telling us what to believe. The problem now is that there's multiple bases of quote established pow- establishment power and they're all saying different things you know well, so it, it's the end of the dominance of the neoliberal ideology you know the triumph of uh what is it uh fukuyama the end of history the triumph of liberal democracy free markets it's the end of that the problem is we're in this interregnum as uh what, what, what gramsci called you know the old is the old is dying but the new is not yet born so there's no consensus. We don't know, you know, what it's going to look like and, you know, what the new political order is going to look like. There's no consensus. And, you know, all of these ideas are running around. And in this state, there's potentially a lot of instability and potentially a lot of violence. You know, I don't know what's going to replace it, but I know that, you know, the neoliberal consensus that we've had in the past 40 years you could say since Reagan, that's coming to an end. And it's an open question, what could replace it? And some of the things that could replace it is not going to be pretty. I think my fear is that in America, unlike I think a lot of other examples in history, is that we do have the capacity. We we could devolve into just sort of like pure chaos in the sense that a lot of the social anger is not channeled into any even like an organized kind of uh, insurgency, organized insurgency that sort of replaces the current order with something new, but that we might just have like an a, a widespread 
outbreak of like disorder, pandemonium, violence, chaos. How about, uh, how about in China, like the warlords? You basically have various warlords vying for power in all sorts of these different regional places as the central government breaks down. You, well, have- you know, even that has a sort of order. I mean, it is less orderly than a centralized power, but at least it has these sort of uh, these sort of competing poles of power. But I'm wondering if in America we could actually, and I and I, I worry that this is actually what we're seeing, is that in the absence of a strong authority that's willing to use, uh, you know, whatever means it takes to enforce order, that we're seeing just the breakdown of even a willingness to enforce order, and we're going to get just sort of like Af- counterinsurgencies in Afghanistan, basically. No, but that's organized. That has like a purpose. I'm talking about just like totally purposeless insanity. Oh, you mean like school shootings, more yeah. school shootings, more exactly. Pulse clubs. Yeah, like why? You know how many weird incidents of just random violence we're seeing online these days? Like, of course, people are going to say, "Oh, that's not real. That's just social media amplifying these isolated events." But I'm not convinced anymore because it's happening so often, and I don't recall. This level of of just me- senseless, meaningless violence. It's not even gang wars. It's not even organized crime. It's not even drug cartels. It's people losing their shit <laughs> and just randomly attacking people for no reason whatsoever. You know, murder suicides. No reason whatsoever. Well, um, that kind I of mean- shit. You know, that's pretty much a return to tradition in the sense before centralized authority. You know, <laughs> when you had feudalism, you basically had a lot of this senseless interpersonal violence, right? So I'm not saying this is a good thing. This is actually a very terrible thing. But I, I would agree with you in the sense there is something really, you could say, like unsettling in America. Like, you know, I remember in the 2000s, Columbine, that was like a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. We talked about it for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a Columbine today. It's like, okay, within a week, all right, you're done griefing. You're done with uh, your grief and all this stuff. Business next. And then in a week or two, like not not to sound, you know, callous, but in a week or two, there's another shooting. Like nobody talks about Pulse now. 50 people died. Or Vegas. Or Vegas. Like, Mm. my God, like, you know, we we still don't know the motives and all this, like 80 something people. And it's just like, yep, all part of the, you know, all part, you know, back to business. Like wait, and did a did a million this. people um, sort Sorry. of die in a pandemic recently? Did did oh yeah? Did that, did that happen? Like, I mean, yeah. because I can't <laughs> I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's I, I don't like know a how September to react to, to, to that. Right, it's like a September so, eleven every day, and then people are yeah, just did like, that okay or did that not them. happen? Um, are there any consequences from that? Uh, do we remember at all uh, collectively in in the states? No. Hey. Just moved on, right? Ukraine war showed up, and <clears throat> Ukraine war. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, if, uh, that's what I'm saying. If America, see, this is the interesting thing because I, I suspect that you know how like we're having these like civil war fantasies. There's a movie out. I'm sure you guys are aware of it. There's yeah. a movie that's coming mm-hmm. out, or maybe it's out called. I think it's just called Civil War, and they even released like these maps of the battlefronts, and America basically splits into five different factions that are actually geographically contiguous and then we enter into this sort of like you know three kingdoms or or you know warring states period in america now i actually think that that's a certain kind of fantasy 
that yeah absolutely that that they that we wish actually that there is an sort of like an order underneath the order like so we have like right now we have this you know federal system and if that breaks down then we're going to revert to an earlier form of order of you know five competing nation states within America and I I think that's bullshit I I I don't think that there is an underlying order beneath the order I, I suspect that that what we're really facing is the choice between an even more um, authoritarian state that employs uh, the you know military levels of of violence and force within our own borders just to maintain order, or we face just just sort of like every man for themselves type of. Hobbes' you know, state of nature, a war of Hobbes all. Yeah. 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 A war well, that's of all against all. Yeah. yeah, that's where I'm going to um, disagree a bit about this being reversion to, to feudalism or to a Hobbesian um, state of nature um, because it, this is more characteristic of the end of a particular sort of um, order. I mean, standing up for feudalism here and uh, for, for for prior types of order, imperial order and so on, not, not imperial in the colonial sense, but, um, you know, different types of, of, of um, a political configuration than what we have today. And, um, no, I don't believe that, that, that you know, our, the natural state of, of, of human beings is, is to be in some sort of uh, Hobbesian um, thing, um, uh, you know, a war of all against all. And that's partly what animates a lot of these fantasies in the U.S., um, that if the mm-hmm. you know the federal government or whatever collapses, that it's going to turn into that I- immediately. But there is a sense in which uh, I mean, these predictions uh, from people like Turchin and so on. There, there's a sense that you know, it just can't go on without any kind of you know in the U.S. apparently without a kind of social glue with so much um, a division among people. In other countries, this would have broken out into civil war shit would have been a lot worse by now. There is a sense in which the U.S. is exceptional in this regard. It, you know, we've talked about this before too. Despite all that, it's still going to be better off than many other places. Uh, for one, it has a degree of, uh, of safety from, uh, you know, the predation of neighboring countries, right? Opportunism from neighboring countries that no one else has. Okay, it's got it's got you know two neighbors that are pretty much pacified, and the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean uh, to to either side, east and west, uh, and then enormous resources. So there will still be. Um, it's not like this is going to lead to sort of an invasion from Mexico. So there's that uh, set aside, um, and then you know in comparisons with Europe, for example, it, it just seems that the U.S. has a lot more kind of leeway, a lot more headroom, right, before things get really, really, uh, you know, to that level. So, so there is a sense in which this, you know, as, 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 as you said, um, as Teen said, you, uh, there's this fantasy we have about civil war breaking out. So, so I'm, I'm with you on this question. How will it look like? Um, it's, well, I, think I, I don't know about a civil war kind of scenario. It's more like Soviet, late Soviet and, and post-Soviet, where uh, it's economic, uh, the, the generation is, 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 is economic. So, 
in order for a civil war to happen, you hmm. would probably need some type of fracturing. Or, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this. Someone should, you know, if someone studied this, they could enlighten us. You know, how united is the American armed forces? I mean, how partisan is it? Is the partisanship mm-hmm. that we partisanship that we see in Congress, is that also, you know, carrying over to the U.S. military? If that partisanship is there, then it's quite possible, right? If it's incredibly divided, it's quite possible. And, you know, the coercive apparatuses, so the FBI, the national police, you know, there was a fear during the Trump administration that all of these would get politicized. If they are politicized, then, yeah, America could be in trouble of a civil war, especially the military, the coercive apparatuses. And I think you're right, John, in a sense that, um, that uh, you know, America is in a very lucky position in the sense that it's not Europe. You know, when Russia had a civil war in, uh, during at the end of the First World War, you know, you basically had almost every single country, Japan, the U.S., England, France, send troops in to fight the civil war and to fight the Bolsheviks. And it's very hard to see something like that in if the United States breaks into a civil war happening. You know, when Mexico had its revolution and its decades of instability in the 1910s, you know, the United States sent an expeditionary force under General Pershing. So that's not happening. But it's conceivable that, you know, this sort of violence breaks down. And what Tina's saying, you know, no centralized authority and just, uh, how do you say, like an orgy of violence. But I think at yes. the same time, yes, even with these breakouts of you know if the absence of authority because you know you will see the formation of new you could say political authorities or new political units right it's not as in the sense that you know chaos will just forever reign it's just that we don't we can't see what maybe type of new political formations that would come about well absolutely. well okay i mean well, in the, well, in the meantime not... Yeah, but in the meantime, there is a lot. There's going to be a lot of this sort of Hobbesian type of of of, of behavior. I mean, this is, is I seem to contradict myself, but people here are raised in the expectation that this is the behavior, and it is that that type of society, that individualistic society in which any kind of breakdown, uh, you know, opens opens you up to 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 this expectation of of um, interpersonal violence. Holy hell! I mean, you see a lot of that stuff um, around, and this is what what you said earlier, Teen. Uh, just this sense of breakdown and 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 people doing randomly violent, apparently randomly violent things to 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 one another. But that's cultural, and that's about the way the U.S. is 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 set up. So the 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 breakdown, it seems to me, if we're talking about kind of post uh, peak U.S. thing, is is a reversion. It, it is this sort of individualism and a lot of. Um, to me, right? If you ask me what I think might lie ahead, um, it there's going to be more and more of this disturbing um, uh, sort of violence, and I mean also in a and just suspension of any pretense of of rules, such as what they're doing and in, in what the political elite is doing uh, to to each other. Or you know, uh, with, with Trump, for yeah. example, and what they're doing. So now, you know, they start this process without thinking it through, of course, or even if they have thought it through, they're going to do it anyway. 
So if you ban Trump, if you uh, from from certain, uh, you you de- you you uh, you bar him from from candidacy in in Colorado, um, then the other side is going to bar you know Biden from candidacy and so on. You, you just have this this you you do this, the other guy does that, um, and uh, you're going to have an election in which there's no legitimate um, outcome. I mean, th- we're or not going to have to wait very long to find out about that. By the way, right? Yeah. Or, or the winner, uh, whoever wins, will be automatically illegitimate to the other yeah, side. Yeah. I you mean, tell me it, now I mean, how it could be illegitimate. They've already talked Trump up as existential. But, but what's the re- everything's existential threat. But, right? but what's the result of that? The result seems to me just that the democratic process, the, the, the sort of democratic sheen that we put over, that we drape over how um, political power actually works in America which is not really about votes, right? It's about, it's about money, uh, primarily, but, and, but other sources of power. But it's not primarily driven by, you know, giving a shit about voters. We know that, right? So I think what this does is, okay, it'll do significant damage to the sort of democratic window dressing behind our system of political power. But it's not going to threaten um, or provide an alternative, I think, to the real underlying power in America. That's that that's what I'm trying to get at is I I wonder if part of this um part of this panic and part of this sort of um dark fantasy about civil war and uh all this stuff is is actually uh us fantasizing a, an escape route from from our current situation. And I wonder if, the, if in actuality there is no escape route, that all the processes that we hate, that we think are leading to some sort of, um, nest, you know, a point at which the people can no longer take it. And then there's going to be some, maybe some unpleasant, maybe some uh, violent, but ultimately liberating kind of revolt just doesn't happen. We just keep going further and further down this. And I have to wonder if part of this is because... Um, this is something I've, you know, uh, we talk about John on the space a lot. Is that there's a lack of social something, a, a kind of lack of co- social cohesion and trust within our society, as well as just sort of a national identity, and yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's American culture per se, but it's a lack of culture. Period. Um, where in other countries, uh. And we're, I think it's better in most places than here um, that the forces of your economic order um, cannot completely overwhelm the it cannot completely subjugate and get its way uh, over the people, because ultimately some sense of humanity, if you push people too hard, they do suddenly kind of radicalize against you. And, and there's there there has to be some sort of. Uh, um, uh, renegotiation of the demands of the economic order and the demands of the people. And I wonder if in America, we're sort of like a dead star. And the gravitational pull of the economic order, it's not just strong, but it's unopposed. Like, we don't know how as people to stand up again. We don't even know at an individual level that we should be standing up against it, right? Because I'm not sure we have anything to stand up for. Well, so, I mean, in that's the 1930s, a key point. What, what is it? The, the, the four is, is, is missing. What are you standing um, up for? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's what what you were talking about. That it's not just social cohesion, but a common framework, a, a something more than an identity. Um, the U.S. has made do with something very very thin, actually, um, at least for the past 40, 50 years or in the post-war era, that that stood in for that. Um, it it helped that there was a you know you're an empire and then you have uh, economic growth uh, and you have just sort of endless expansion putting off that question of what really holds you together, putting off this, 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 this question. Um, so, and if that comes to an end, if your kind of um, dollar hegemony comes to an end, if uh, your economic order at home is very, very clearly um, predatory, actually, uh, and what do you have to, um, to fix this? You don't even know where you want to go next, right? And, and not even the elite know. It's not as if you have an elite that are disconnected from the rest of the population and the elite have an idea and they're going to just, you know, drag everybody um, along. They don't um, either. Yes, yeah, it, it is you know, nihilistic, right? As somebody said. See, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if necessarily we, we're heading towards any sort of end time. Other, yeah. I think we are heading towards some kind of phase shift. But I, mm-hmm. I my biggest my if i had to predict what i think is actually going to happen i think it's just going to be a more intensified version of what's already happening now i, yeah. I don't think we're going to have I, I feel like the this same. it's very scary and time I mean, would be almost that... merciful a kind of exactly. the normal regulatory yes. <laughs> you know, breaking out into some a circuit civil breaker. war yeah yeah where yeah. all of us are saying yeah. I, you know all of us collectively have our network moment and we're like i'm mad as hell i'm not going to take it anymore and then this devolves into a sort of uh, you know, maybe a more chaotic, maybe a more violent kind of political uh, system, uh, but something different where the humanity of the people suddenly shines through is a fantasy. I think well, that, yeah, that that would be a, a great outcome a, for us, but I'm not even sure we, we've got the sort of like power to do that. I, I, it's t- almost t- like a, a runaway collapse of like a star like that can't produce fusion anymore there's no countervailing force it just keeps concentrating and concentrating and concentrating and uh we're just going to keep dude we're never going to fall off the cliff in fact we're already in free fall and we don't even notice we're just we're yeah, just like yeah, yeah. the normal systems you, you, right looking at it historically by the, the 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 ways in which societies um kind of self-correct in the long arc of history however yes. messy and violent they don't seem to apply here. Exactly. That's that's the fear. Mike, does this make? I know. You, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to jump in here. Does, does, does that make? What's your reaction to that? I I wonder if there's just something like qualitatively different about U.S. American society that it's almost like we cannot produce like the the social forces that are meant not just to oppose but to actually kind of like prop up your economic order as a sort of like antagonist to it well does does that make sense it makes sense because what you're saying is well i I think let me try to recap what you're briefly saying which is that there is something in american society culture uh geographical composition in which is different than the old world or you know europe and asia where you would get a pushback from this basically neoliberal order that would create the social safety nuts that would create the various necessary movements that would mitigate or turn around. Yeah. Or even industrial planning, you know. 
even industrial planning. But I mean, a you can't predict, you know, major rebellions, major revolts, uh, collapse, states collapsing. These are things that you can't predict. If I told you in 1989 that the Ber- or 1988. You know, if I told you in 1988 that the Berlin Wall would collapse in 89, you would call me a looney tune. If I told you in 1990 that the Soviet Union would end, you would call me crazy. These things that you cannot predict, right? Basically, major revolts, major rebellions, revolutions. These are things that, you know, you cannot predict. And I, I don't know. Have You guys know uh, Walter Benjamin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. You know, Walter Benjamin, he says, you know, the, you know, his you know, his critique of uh, historical materialism in the sense that there is no predetermined set path. He's a Frankfurt School theorist. It's a thesis on history. And the, at the end, he's like, you know, any time and any moment, the Messiah may come through the door. This is the hopeful take. Right. These are we can, even if you are, you know, the analysis is right in the sense things like these, the spontaneous moment of outburst of basically challenging authority, these are not things that you can predict. And these are not things that we can basically say for certain or not for certain. We can maybe say that the conditions are there, but whether it happens or not, that's an entirely different question. The second thing... Hey, John, you might have switched over to your a different mic or something, but you, you yeah. sound a little bit distant. Oh, yeah. My mic moved a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I, I was so, saying this This is just... We, we've seen lots of these Black black Swan events, this eruption mm-hmm. of, 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 of history. Um, but it's really... I'm not saying that this is not... You know, we, we're not discounting that in the US. But mm-hmm. it's really, really hard to see this, um, you know... No, no. The, the, the for, argument for, the, for you for guys US. would be, yeah. I thought COVID would be a transformative moment. Didn't turn mm-hmm. out to be a transformative moment. We thought a lot of things would be, you know, uh, what is it? Sandy Hook. You know, you have dead white children. Somehow we still don't get new gun legislation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, but, you know, I, but, you know. I'm putting even, on the table the possibility that America is somehow, it, it is exceptional. We are exceptional in exactly what you're talking about that the um and 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 I and I'm starting to see these what passes as warnings and what passes as fear or you know polemics is actually a sort of national fantasy that we are capable of something like civil war that we are capable of something like mass political insurgency that we're capable mm. of you know that we're even capable of collapse that's a you know, well, but, but, but but in fact, maybe we're not. Maybe what we are is a dead star that 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 is just constantly never ending collapse, collapsing in on itself, and it, there's nothing pushing back against it, and it just it's a, it just it's a runaway process. Now, pro- maybe that's not true. Maybe it's just our 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 breaking point is much much. Uh, it, our breaking point is much. Uh, it's weird to say higher, but yeah, it would take a lot more for the current power structure to fracture or break, not because the power structure itself is that well, is, is that great. It is great, but it's also that there's just, we just don't have this American society, the people, the substrate of all of this just can't, we can't muster up the energy to actually do anything about it, to actually get angry about it, we're all just 
we just comply and comply and comply and there's no end in sight. <laughs> and I'm and I'm wondering if we're already in that phase. You see what I'm saying? Like, are we already well past the phase? Like, you know how like, like, like when a lot of Europeans, for example, figure out how exactly our healthcare system works or how higher education works here? They're like, how did you people not revolt 20 years ago? Well, okay. To be fair, the, people didn't revolt when Reagan did all of this because they had a lot of savings and then they opened up the credit channels. Right. That's a digression. But I want to get back to the second point, which was we've had something similar in the 1930s, just massive economic immiseration, uh, the delegitimation of uh, Manchesterian capitalism, free market capitalism. And out of that, you had basically the reaction of uh, FDR. Right. The unions organized. You had to push back. You had FDR. You had the New Deal and it transformed America. I'm not saying this would happen again, of course. The conditions are very, very different. But I'm saying that it's not outside of the realm of American history. And don't forget, we also had a civil war, right? And even America's own rebellion, the 13 colonies, was basically 13 independent different colonies coming together to try to push back the British. So there is some unifying principle that we can get together in when authority basically is lost. It's just we can't see it right now because we're so close. Well, the hopeful part of me is saying we can't see it right now because we're so close in the moment, if that makes sense. It does, but I'm just wondering if that between, say, you know, um, great the, the, the sort of New Deal society and what happened post or during the Great Depression, post-World War II or whatever – And I've always, you know, and I've said this before, John, I I feel like um, a lot of times detractors of America fail to see um, that we did have a sense of national identity and cohesion in the past. But I'm I'm wondering if in the neoliberal era, the combination of just, you know, of technology, wealth, and frankly, completely debased culture, which... I'm not even sure it's culture. I'm, I think it's more of like a collective social uh, memory eraser. Um, mm-hmm. w- whether the combination of all that stuff is too strong um, and t- it's too strong a solvent that we, we, we basically don't have any real connection to our own history anymore. So the example of the New Deal may not even be applicable anymore. We're not the same country. We're not yeah. the same nation. There is also, uh, yeah, we we do, of course. I mean, in 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 talking about this, we also need to mention that a kind of there's a broader. We need to be aware of a, a different type of analysis of the situation, right? Um, that um, that is of a crisis of 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 capitalism. The New Deal or a kind of um, social democratic order that just swept the West especially after the Second World War in particular, that that has come to an end. It, it forestalled many of the crises that had become uh, intolerable. That's why we had the 1930s all over, not just in, uh, not just in Europe, but in the US. You had a um, very um, strong kind of class um, conflict. And um, all that is was sort of apparently solved or massaged away by a kind of social democratic order that was repudiated with the neoliberal um, dispensation. And uh, that too has come to an end. So you keep 
putting off the um, the internal crisis of of, of capitalism. The, the during during the ne- neoliberal era, you have a massive um, geographic expansion of of global capitalism um, to the ends of the earth, so to speak. Right, the in- sort of bringing on literally billions of people into the global market that again puts off the you know the contradictions you have um you know you can continue to sort of immiserate the workers or to um to leave have have your middle class and 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 your, and your working class be really quite um, to, to have a very much small or a stagnant portion of the pie while living a living a cost of living is going down and while you have this sort of um, growth we 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 grew up in in this what if that has also come to an end so you know without getting sort of technical marxist about this you're seeing one after another of these crises these ability to put off from a us perspective or a western perspective the domestic crisis all these me- all these means of putting off the or or, or allaying the um the, moderating the contradictions uh, they don't work anymore so what next so there's that larger uh, perspective i wanted to 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 bring in what, what i'm what Th- i'm there is suge- yeah. what, go on what i'm suggesting is that okay let let, uh, let, let let's put it this way uh, i i think everyone in america at this point right yeah. even the ones in power are starting to see that we're reading reaching some sort of uh some sort of change event right where we're we're butting yeah. up against limits of the old order but i i suspect that or i guess the two outcomes that i can see or or two general paths that i see is one we have this becomes an inflection point and whatever comes it's going to be um uh, either a violent or peaceful hopefully peaceful but extremely um like Epochal t- sort of reconfiguration of our social order, right? Something is going. We're going to have some break. We're going to have some struggle, whether you know, uh, whether violent or not. And then we're going to come back with a with a reformed sort of uh, society here. Okay, that's one path. The other path is. We just keep doubling and tripling down on what we're doing now, which is a growing gap between the elites and everyone else, more wealth concentration at the top, and even more immiseration at the bottom, that the U.S., for example, turns away from its role in the world and just goes back to neo-Monroe doctrine, immiserates Latin America, turns Latin America into you know, our, uh, you know, our underclass, to prop up an increasingly, um, y- you know, uh, plutocratic uh, top end, and it just yeah. keeps going. Yeah. Without you know, and and there is no break. There is no inflection. You know, it just we just maybe our values change, and we give, just give up hope, and we're like, okay, well, I guess that's just the way it is. And the uh, the number of elite aspirants and elite. There, we'll have an elite precariat class that's doing everything it can to not fall off the cliff, but they're not going to form a counter elite insurgency. They're not going to form a populist link, uh, you know, with everyone else, with with uh, let's say even a largely Spanish-speaking working class that is, t- doesn't 
connect with them at all. Uh, mm-hmm. That we just get more, we just get more, and we have more crime uh, of just insanity, and we have more just irrational outbreaks of violence. We have more mental health. We have worse, you know, continuing declines in uh, life expectancy, just immiseration everywhere. But an even wealthier uh, hot top end, and it just gets worse. I, and I, worse. I don't think- I don't think that's possible, though, because Latin America is not going to want to play that role for basically this type of America. And in fact, in order to do that, you are going to need a very strong military and a unified military that's willing to do basically this type of mission and dominance. But, but are we not achieving that right now with 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 this with these waves of migrants coming in, obviously escaping something. Oh, that... you're talking about importing migrants from yeah, Latin in, America into, yeah, into America, yeah. Oh, okay. That uh, yeah. that I okay. I, I could see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, well that's of course yeah, making uh, all that all the resistance it's, it's causing so much um uh, re, you know, political resistance from um a kind of popular class, right? But but to no but, avail, to no avail. You know, it's the no the avail. rest of the world refusing to come in as um, breaking away from being the underclass of 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 the West yeah. and of the U.S. in particular. It's it's gigantic that that, that China refuses that 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 role. Uh, it has exceeded that that role. So, um, and and I think Teen has a point about this returning to to a kind of Monroe Doctrine America. Or Western Hemispheric um, America as as the next stage, and you see that even in um, kind of MAGA uh, or pop, uh, populist platforms now, there is a reversal, um, a reversion to or oh, let's uh, let's just have the Western Hemisphere. But but, but I don't it, think yeah. uh, whether it works or not time, is, is not not the issue. I it's, don't think it's. Oh, you're. you're I mean, right I'm not saying this is going to work for a long time. I. You know the interesting thing about this 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 well, what conversation do we mean by work? is yeah exactly is 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 the fascination of seeing okay things can't go on like this everything is kind of breaking down and yet I, I guess I, I just wanted to, to to stress this um, the puzzlement of the moment is you don't actually see how it's going to work out it's it's not the classic it's it's not clear the you know the usual methods in which the, the the circuit is broken they don't seem so so plausible right for the for the us it would have to be some kind of of course there's going to be kind of black swan events and some of these might even be manufactured events that's the other thing you have an elite really really capable of uh, as you see of of manufacturing sort of casus belli, belli um and uh of 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 triggering events um, that lead to further, um, you know, consolidation of, of 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 their of their power, but um, it's not it's not clear how it will work out because they, there aren't the resources to build something new, or to even aspire to something else. That that's what, for yeah, the, okay. the kind of death star scenario. Is, I think it's really interesting to put these two and 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 ask that 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 question. Like what? Like okay, when when people like us and I, and I don't mean necessarily of our yeah. political mm-hmm. stripe, but I mean, look, there's a lot of people right now who are 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 looking at what's going on, and like us saying, something's got to give, something's got to change. And one thing that a lot of us say is, 
you know, in the 90s, we thought it was the end of history. We were so certain that, you know, that would be America forever. And obviously, that's not the case. Something's got to change. But what if, what if that's wrong? What if, the, what, if, what if we did reach the end of history? Not everyone else, just us. What if, <laughs> what if, what if that is it for us? What if there is no next form? There's no next shape. And it's either this or, or, or it's this until everything literally breaks and we do devolve into this sort of like Hobbesian nightmare and, uh, you know, the wealthy escape in a spaceship to Mars or whatever. Okay. Like, uh, I know with I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. With, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I'm saying like, what if there is, what if it's the case that the people are, who are saying that we have, we, if, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit some inflection point where, where this is, you know, everything's going to just break down. We're going to have a revolution. We're going to have a civil war. What if that's the positive? What if that's the hopeful case? And the and the scarier case is that actually Fukuyama was right. This is the final form. This is it. And and whatever the the answer to whatever our problems is is a more intense version of this. Well, and I've, so I've thought about. Damn, that's that. a nightmare. <laughs> I thought that is the that. true nightmare. Yeah, I thought about that team, and I'm going to tell you why I think this is not the case. Please do. Please. I want to be convinced. Okay, so when Fukuyama said the end of history, right, it's basically liberal democracy, and it's all its variants. Nothing new is under the sun ideology. It goes back to Hegel, right? The end of history, philosophy of right, philosophy of history. And, you know, I thought about this, and I think the inflection point for me was uh was basically 2016 with uh, Bernie Sanders. If the end of history was right, Bernie Sanders would have won, and he would have reinstituted some form of New Deal era. I mean, you know, I, I supported some Bernie Sanders. I'm, I can't vote here, but I supported him, and I you know sympathize with him. But he's not a radical. I mean, he's just calling for a return to the New Deal. He's calling for a return to tried and true methods of capitalism you know, as John was saying, to manage the contradictions. And yet the elites were incapable of that. And what it shows us is that we're not at the end of the history because of that. Because if we were at the end of history, we would, we would just go through the cycle. We would go through neoliberalism. From neoliberalism, we would go through all of the sudden rediscover Keynes and uh, state intervention and basically managing capitalism. And then once that basically is tried enough 1970s okay then we basically do neoliberalism and the cycle goes on and on and on right but that didn't happen that basically you're seeing that break that you know as john was you know reintroducing to us that the contradictions of capitalism they can't be managed something's got to give and there is um you know this is not what's the something that's that i can't answer but i will give you a do you guys know hobbs eric hobsbawm the late yeah. uh, Marxist historian, he wrote something in the age of extreme at the end. And he's actually, he wrote this in the nineties. He says the current configuration, you know, with the end of history, that's not going to last very long. Like, you know, it may last a bit longer than we would think I, what I, he would personally like, but this is not going to last. And he says, basically I've written, you know, he's written four books about this. And if you're persuaded you you basically are if you are persuaded by me you would agree with me how we got to the current point and he said but we cannot build the third millennium on the basis of basically what we have now in the second millennium 
we have to find a new way to go forward. If we don't, and if we fail at this, the end result is going to be darkness. That's what. What he if said. that's what we get? What if we get darkness? And what if what if in America, uh, there's a certain acceptance of that darkness because we cannot generate the kind of social political forces that I think a lot of these theorists may take for granted because they're thinking about America in in an actually in a hopeful way, which is that there's a certain kind of underlying humanity that's going to that's that that's going to say I can't take this anymore. And and what if the, the the problem in America is that they're just we cannot generate that resistive force? That that's the thing that's got me worried, man. Is is like you said, we've passed through so many events that all of us thought. And I, you know, you brought up Sandy Hook, and 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 that that was one of the big events for me because, like you said, this was a wealthy white suburb in New York, uh, New York State, but New York that. Um, I, I just thought there's there's no way we're not gonna and this isn't about gun control. This is about social reactions to disasters yeah. and, and horrors. These and are we, kids. Innocent these were kids. kids. Innocent, Innocent kids and we kids. We could not muster yeah, and it wasn't uh, you know, immigrant children or black children or some other group that the, the that we would think that the ruling uh, you know, the 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 ruling center or the, not the ruling center. The, the the heart of American society, which is still predominantly white, um, would would not be able to take that, and 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 it just we just did, it we just took it, and it happened again and again and again. And I'm not talking about gun control. I'm talking about the ability for us to to do something about our own dead children. We can't yeah. muster the force to just do something simple, like Austra- like prevent that from happening again. Like Australia had this horrible yes. shooting in the '90s, and then basically the, the the yeah the society basically collectively said, "Fuck it, we got to do something. Something's got to give, and something's got to change." And they did it. And then it just seems like America today has lost that animal spirit, right? In the sense that. You know, we we don't set out goals, and even if we set them, we're not really going to do it. Like, uh, build back better. Doesn't really seem like we're going to build anything. California HSR, uh, high-speed rail, still not finished after, what, two, three decades? And and see, that that's the thing. Like, okay, if you take the end-of-history idea, you know, I think the problem with end-of-history is that uh, this may be a very shallow critique, but I think that it was a kind of naive characterization of what the actual American political order is and what our, and also what our ideology is, because I think that it's, it's a little, I don't like, uh, maybe we, we could get into this on a different pod sometime, but I think that there are these, um, very bizarre ideas that are deeply held in America, um, where we actually need to be living within, uh, with, a little bit of hell peeking through like we need to see homelessness and extreme poverty and insanity and crime and horror. We need that. It's part of our structure. We need to see dead kids in school. We need to see hell peeking through because part of the way we seem to work is, is it's a kind of a carrot and stick type of bifurcation of the real world into a hell and a paradise with very little in between. 
and uh, we need the hell in order to create the the uh, illusion of this paradise, and that keeps the population terrified and motivated. And why it doesn't seem like we are either pushing for, um, you know, the 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 creation of just sort of like a nice existence, <laughs> you know, on earth. Uh, and why actually I think a lot of Americans feel uncomfortable in other countries that don't seem to have the same ideology of we need a hell and uh, an imagined heaven on earth at the same time, uh, where they, they just kind of are like, nah, we're just trying to make nice things nice for ourselves. I think if you put Americans in in a society um, where there's like broad based sense of like security and some like you know some sort of like uh broad based um i would say reasonable level of prosperity you know nothing nothing great but just like everyone's doing okay you know everyone's okay and everyone seems to be happy and things are peaceful and normal and it's not that dramatic i actually think a lot of americans don't feel comfortable in that situation yeah because our minds are this is just Calvinism. Is that what Calvinism? Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. a Protestant work ethic. Yeah, this uh, is kind pre, of motivation. Pre, pre, yeah, predestination. If if you know you are either saved or you are going, you are damned. And if you are saved, you will exhibit the signs of being saved, which is hard work and praying a lot. So yeah, John is absolutely right. This is Calvinism, but you are still seeing that kind of breakdown. People are just not really motivated to. You know, do work no matter how much misery and hell that you're putting on. And there just seems to be it seems like it's reaching that breaking point, because on the flip side of Calvinism, of this ideology, it's basically an incredible, intense motivation to say, well, I am part of the saved, so I will work, work, work. But you're seeing less and less of that now. But that's why. See, that's why. My dark darker visions of like what's to come like this year and next year etc is that i actually think a lot of people like i don't know how many but like you know the circles i hang out with online or whatever and my friends in real life and stuff there is a sort of doomerism which i think is actually a form of hopeful uh is actually a form of hope of liberation there's a little bit of doomerism about the economy and i think that i agree with I agree that there is something coming in the in in terms of an economic uh, crisis, um, but I actually think that that such crises helps to perpetuate the current order in the sense that if it is a Calvinist sort of ideology underpinning all this stuff, uh, okay, the existence of these like lazy dropouts who are just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not motivated. I just want to live my best life. I don't really care about money that much i just want to you know i just want to spend time with my family and i just want to you know i just want to live a, a nice that's not allowed you can't do that in a calvinist society so what we need and i've been saying this i don't know if anyone believes me i don't know if i'm right but i think that in a way they want to engineer a crash um this is the and i i, I think if you say that about yeah. the current times that that seems a little uh um what's the word it's it's maybe a conspiratorial but if you look at, say, what happened in the late 70s and we go back and actually examine the record, more and more people have said, actually, this is what happened in the 70s, was that they engineered a collapse, was that they they raised the reason Volcker spiked rates to 15 percent was to usher in the era of Reagan. 
and to get us out of all this like sort of they wanted to put the nail in the coffin of the New Deal era. They wanted to kill, uh, you know, the the uh, older form of blue collar centric populist liberalism, and they wanted to usher in something new. They wanted to kill that off because they were like, no, this we are a you know, we are a Calvinist type of society, right? And I guess you don't have to put specific labels on it, but as long as the contours of that notion of hell hell is peeking through into the earth and you're and either you're going to fall into the rivers of uh, into these oceans of fire or you're going to be one of the saved and you will live in a sort of heaven on earth they want to bring that back you know they don't yeah, want the saved people uh, to just sort a few. of like the elect a few yeah you can't this is america you, you, know? you can't just sort of like <laughs> casually drop out and live your best life no you can get to fall all the way down you know be crazy do you believe well, in gravity or not you know well but yeah. you know this isn't unique to america i mean you know i would we shouldn't well i shouldn't always go back to germany but you know germany's response to the crash of 29 if you look at um the conservative elites and the industrialists you know they basically stifled every attempt to you know do social welfare legislation they saw the crash as an opportunity to destroy the weimar republic and the more socialist aspects of the weimar republic the various basically social welfare that was established after the first world war and they basically said you know the the conservative elites and the economic elites said fuck it we would rather you know create a massive economic immiseration if that means we could basically get rid of the Weimar Republic. And they achieved that. So it, it's not as conspiratorial as you, you would think it is. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm just saying that Monetary people policy, tend to react to these things. Social that. control. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well yeah, established. No, they, they, they totally will engineer a collapse. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, I think that there is a left, there's a misconception, I think it was particularly among the left, um, that um, the elites are just, you know, all they ever want to do is just raise the stock price, increase their profit, you know, all that stuff. and I just don't, I think that no, there are... Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's not to basically maximize profit. You know, there are different ways to maximize profit. You can basically have some sort of cooperative agreement with labor to maximize profit, as we did in the 50s and 60s. Right. The goal of the elites is to maximize power yes. and control. Power and control, yes, and they will absolutely hit uh, reset on the fucking economy and immiserate not just working class people, but they'll put you know they'll they'll put elites out on the fucking curb too if they have to. They don't care, you know. It's a, it's not just one giant social family, one giant family of elites, and they all love each other. They'll fuck each other over if it comes down to it, you know, in order to concentrate power into their own faction or into their own hands. They'll do it. Yep. It- it is yep. about power. You're absolutely right on that. Even even neoliberal ideology, which uh, purports rem- to be post, you know, not about power, to uh, which purports to be about this, this, these free markets and then the freedom of the individual. Um, it began as an ideology in that in that period. Um, <laughs> also in in sort of uh, post in post in 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 the twenties and thirties, post Austro-Hungary. It's it's about ensuring a. It's about having, trying to establish a new kind of world order um, against the, the the breakup of of the old. It 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 really always is about about power for the for the elites. So even neoliberal ideology 
um, has beginnings um, like that. It's not just about corporations. It's about having something that post the breakup of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, you uh, to uh, as a, a kind of em- a, uh, imperial kind of construct. So, what happens when all that comes to an end, as as we as we see today? It it really is. And, and- I mean, the U.S. question is a global question. It's 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 everybody else's problem as well. I mean, that's that's rather obvious. But people here people tend to discuss it as if it it isn't. But it absolutely is uh, connected now to 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 the predicament of 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 world order. Yeah, and uh, you're basically seeing China, Russia, and the BRICS countries desperately trying to make sure that it doesn't become their problem by accelerating de-dollarization. So you know, they, they, I think they've come to kind of that realization, which of but course I, accelerates I would... the decline here, which accelerates the the collapse here. Faster, with... Yeah, right. I mean, it brings that whole. Does yeah, that the, it, that's the end of the buffet. Down to that, yeah. But, yeah. but I, I mean, want to expand. Mean, there is a side in which I mean, after several days without food, I mean, everybody, you, you're going to have riots. There, there's just there's there's slow decline, right? The the dead star thing, um, but actual real organic deprivation uh, is going to lead to sort of desperation, and yet, of course, this is not saying that some other political formation is going to come up we we don't know what will what will emerge and we don't know how where, where the lines of the, of 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 conflict uh, are going to be because then they're incoherent well that's my point is that scenario if, if, is well, incoherence it's well, ideological well, my... political and social incoherence well what i'm saying is that the experience of mass immiseration in america i i worry that that is just going to drive people Back into the uh, back into supporting the system as it exists, the current system. To say, well, this is my only alternative. Is is even is even you know more of that, more allegiance, more compliance, more you know trying to get you know to, trying to save myself. You know, like oh. I don't see that. See, that's the thing. Is ultimately you need there to be a, a competing underlying social ethic to say. Fuck the system. Fuck all of this. We're going to redo it, and uh, you know the people are going to take over. And then you, they, they pledge allegiance to a different cabal of elites who try something else. Okay. And I'm saying, like, I don't know if that's even possible here. That's the end of part one of a multi-part podcast. This conversation went on for quite a while. I think we like rattled on for, I think enough for like maybe three or maybe even four episodes. So I'm going to post the rest of this as bonus episodes if you want to access them and you're not already a supporter go to patreon.com slash planning